Ah, and we are live. Welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today, as always. We're live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch, head over to if you want to watch live, head over to twitch.tv slash takes by fans. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So, however you want to watch or listen, we've got you covered multiple ways. Alrighty, today's a big old Tuesday, folks. Training camp is already off and riding, folks. Woof! Woof! So, big stories to talk about right off the rip. Obviously, I'm sure y'all have heard by now. It's all over the place. Aaron Mother Loving Rogers is back. So, we'll talk all about that. But uh, we're going to be continuing on today with our uh, NFL team refresher. We'll spin the wheel of NFL teams, whichever one it lands on. We'll reset the kind of season. What are we looking for? What did they do last season? Uh, who are we buying? Who do they get rid of? Who do they have? And what is their overall kind of win total going to be as we progress through their schedule and see how many winnable games that they have? Uh, we finished up all of our training camp narratives yesterday on the show. Fantastic. Right in time. So we'll be tracking those as well um, during kind of the stories of the day and all the news and info that comes out on a daily basis, keeping track of all that. So that's what we have today on the show, but let's just jump right into it with the stories of the day. And the first one up, you know we got to talk about it, Aaron Rodgers. We got film right here, video of this man walking through the parking lot and in to the Packers facility. So this man is officially back, ready to rock, and he's playing for the Green Bay Packers this season, folks. Aaron Rodgers has returned to training camp. Now, the only reason why that is happened is because Aaron Rodgers kind of renegotiated his deal with the Packers, giving him more freedom in the future. We know this is probably going to be his last year, and we get this kind of contract negotiation talk, and we're going to kind of talk about what's in this renegotiation, but when we kind of talk about what happened a couple days ago with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, both posting the kind of one last dance picture to their Instagram, this is now what they were talking about. Aaron Rodgers got the renegotiated deal in principle. I don't think it's finalized yet. They'll probably do that today when he's in the building finalizing the renegotiation of the deal. But uh, as soon as he got wind that, hey, you know, we are going to renegotiate it. This is all good. Um, we'll just have to sign the papers and make it official. The first person that he called was Devontae Adams. Say, hey, I'm back, baby. So you can come back too. So Aaron Rodgers, that's um, that's why that picture, that's why they both tweeted out the last dance picture because now Aaron Rodgers has it kind of officially down that this is his last official year in Green Bay and next year he's going to kind of demand a trade. So let's uh, see what we get here in the deal, the renegotiated rework of the contract that Aaron Rodgers has so desperately wanted. He was going to hold out if he didn't get it and now he's got it. And now he's all happy, smiling Turtle Rogers back in uh, back in training camp. So here we go to ensure the return of their reigning MVP quarterback. The Packers now are offering concessions to try to persuade Aaron Rodgers to return to Green Bay for at least one more season per league sources. Over the past weekend, the two sides were able to reach mutually agreed upon terms that are close to persuading Rodgers to abandon plans he had to skip training camp and instead return for it. 
It is not done yet, but according to multiple reports, Rodgers has arrived in Green Bay, and we just saw that. This article was written yesterday, uh, but we just saw him go into training camp. So he is officially in Green Bay today with the team. Uh, both sides are hopefully are hoping to finalize the agreement shortly, per sources. And once again, I'm sure that will all be settled today when he's actually in the building. The agreement in principle would include an approximation of the following conditions that the two sides now are finalizing to alleviate and address some of the Rodgers issues before the opening of Tuesday's training camp. So this is kind of what they, uh, the agreed upon principles are. So here we go. What is playing? I've got some. Yeah, thank you. Okay. It was this video. I was like, something is playing in my headphones and it was bothering the heck out of me, but we got it. No worries. But here we go. The agreed upon principles. Here we go. The first one up. The 2023 year in Rodgers' contract, the last one in his current deal would be voided with no tags allowed in the future. So, not you know, his contract would have ended in 2023. That is voided. It is now going to end in 2022. The Packers would agree to review Rodgers' situation at the end of the season. Once again, Aaron Rodgers wants to be traded, but he wants one more year because he can't really be traded this season. It's a little bit too late in that process, and the you know Packers really dug in their heels. They're like, you're not getting traded this year. You're playing one more year. We went 13-3 the last two years. They're giving us one more goddamn year. You understand me, Aaron? And uh, he kind of agreed at the end. All right, the other one. Here we go. Uh, we got two more. The Packers' contract would be adjusted with no loss of income to give the Packers more cap room now. Fantastic. Hey, let's add some more weapons now. This is my last year, my last ride. Let's go get that elite piece, whatever it is. Wide receiver, defense. Well, it better not be defense. Could you Could you imagine Aaron Rodgers renegotiating his contract and they take all the money they saved and got a defensive player? Aaron Rodgers would walk out of the Packers organization right now. He'd be like, Y'all didn't really just do that to me, did y'all? Th this was the problem in the first place. And y'all just disrespected me again? Oh, I'm out 100% now. I'm done. I'm not even playing this year. So they're, <laughs> they're probably forced to get another big offensive weapon. Jeez. Um, once again, Aaron Rodgers still holding this team hostage um, in freaking renegotiations. Jeez. And then the last one here. Mechanisms will be put into place to address Rodgers' issues with the team. Yeah, I think they're, you know, I think it's too far gone. I think, you know, Aaron Rodgers is truly going to move on next season. But the Packers are trying everything that they can do to keep Aaron Rodgers. They have one year and a lot can change in a year, folks. They could try and do, if I mean, if they win the Super Bowl, Aaron Rodgers could be like, yeah, I'll come back. Why not? I'll go try to do back to back. Why not? Um, so the Packers are doing everything in their power to keep this man for one more season, see if they can kind of, you know, mend any burned bridges, mend any hurt feelings on Rodgers' side, which we know there's a lot of, but uh, they're just trying to do whatever they can to get them to sign Aaron Rodgers to another long-term deal because at the end of the day, I mean, folks, this man is extremely talented. Everybody believes that. Nobody doesn't think that this man isn't one of the best throwers of the football in the league right now. I mean, just pure passer, you got to have him in the top three. Top three? Yeah, probably. Top five at least, at minimum. But I can make the argument for top three as well. So you never want to see this man walk. You don't want this man to walk and then win a ring with a new team because that just makes their organization look less competent and, you know, bad in the eyes of fans. Could you imagine if Aaron Rodgers won a ring with a new team? They're like, 
Y'all couldn't have done that for <laughs> the last 10 years. <laughs> y'all y'all waited. <laughs> like y'all wasted this man's talent. Wasted our time for 10 plus years. <laughs> oh, okay. Maybe I'll change fandom, you know? So that's the Aaron Rodgers situation. A little bit of a renegotiated contract to get him here. No more long-term deal. And uh, they'll try to do everything that they can this year to make it nice, nice. And everybody praises Aaron Rodgers and kisses his ass and uh, says, oh, my God, you're doing so gosh dang good. God dang, Aaron Rodgers, you're doing so good out there. Keep it up, man. Oh, my goodness. So they're going to be praising Aaron Rodgers every step of the way here this season. And uh, kid, it could get a little, you know, little annoying <laughs> i mean everybody's just kissing aaron Rodgers' ass because what are you gonna do you're gonna kind of step on his toes because every everything you do you know that aaron Rodgers is you know calculating his head to be like okay uh july 29th 2021 uh coach did not refer to me as the greatest of all time all right that's noted okay october 11th 2021 training staff didn't acknowledge me as greatest of all time okay i got that noted and then at the end of the year, when he's looking through his logs, he's like, yep, disrespected one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27. Oh my God, Jesus. Uh, 50, 51, 52. I mean, I've been disrespected, you know, 700 times this year. I've got them all written down. I'm not coming back. <laughs> I'm not coming back. <laughs> um, October, look at this one in here. October 13th. Nobody... Said I was better than Tom Brady when the discussion came up. Nobody defended me. It's in the notebook. It's written down. I'm not coming back. I've been disrespected too many times. So, uh, Aaron Rodgers, folks. If you're a Packers fan, you better relish in this last season. And uh, we'll see what they do with that extra cleared cap space and uh, which uh, receiving target they go and get to make Aaron Rodgers a little bit happier for his remaining time. Alrighty, now I want to talk about this. Still on the same Packers and Aaron Rodgers train of thought here, but I'm not getting why everybody is saying this. Because I don't think this is right. I don't think this is the right narrative to go with. So now that Aaron Rodgers has this renegotiated contract and is back with the Packers for basically this season, I mean, this whole restructure of the contract basically says that Aaron Rodgers is here this year. And then he's gone next year. That's basically what it boils down to all the changes. But now everybody's on this train of thought, even Adam Schefter. This is where the kind of the uh, the source comes from, that Devontae Adams is now willing to listen to contract discussions with the Packers after reports of Aaron Rodgers' return for this season. But it's like... Devontae Adams doesn't want to be here with a non-Aaron Rodgers quarterback. That was the problem. It wasn't he didn't want the big deal because Aaron Rodgers wasn't going to be here this year. He didn't care about that. Devontae Adams was under contract this year. He's looking for future long-term engagement of Aaron Rodgers, and you're not going to get that with Aaron Rodgers. He just renegotiated the contract to chop off that 2023 season. So his contract ends in 2022. So he can get traded next season. So, you know, Devontae Adams, it, it wasn't about this year. It was about the long-term future. It was about having one of the greatest passers of the football of all time on his team still for the remainder of his deal, whatever he, you know, negotiated at four or five years, whatever he wanted in his new deal that he was trying to get. 
So I don't see Devonta Adams re-signing with this Packers team. I still think he wants to play with the great quarterback, and Aaron Rodgers just proved that he's not going to be here next season. So Devonta Adams is going to walk. He's still not going to sign a deal. He doesn't want a deal. You know, Aaron, uh, Adam Schefter is kind of saying, you know, they freed up all this money. Now they can sign Devonta Adams. No, Devonta Adams doesn't want to be signed. He was kind of the one digging in his heels to not get that long-term contract done because Aaron Rodgers was the big question mark. He can go and play with Derek Carr next year. I'm telling you, I don't think Devontae Adams wants to play with Jordan Love. I don't think anybody's truly buying into Jordan Love because if they were, they wouldn't be kind of accommodating Aaron Rodgers' kind of, you know, big blow-up. Little temper tantrum out here. I don't think they would have kind of bowed to that if Jordan Love was coming and progressing along as well and as good as the Packers initially thought that he would be by this time when they drafted him, you know, two years ago. So I'm not buying that Devontae Adams is now going to get the big deal. Oh, okay, I get to play with Aaron Rodgers this year. You're going to get to play with Aaron Rodgers this year regardless because you're still under contract this year. So I'm not buying it. I'm still not looking. I'm not expecting. And I would be surprised as all heck if Devontae Adams goes and signs a long-term deal now. He's going to play. You know, He'll go wherever Aaron Rodgers goes next year or he'll go and play with Derek Carr and the Raiders. He, the man's not going to be a Packer. These two in this picture right here, the ones that both tweeted the last dance tweet, they're both not going to be Packers next year. So don't get confused, folks. Don't get kind of fooled by this media narrative that they're trying to run with that now Devontae Adams is going to search for a long-term deal. I don't think that's really making that much logical sense of everything that we've seen. I don't think that's the case. So. That's what they're saying. I'm not buying it. The only thing that we know for 100% certain is that Aaron Rodgers is going to play for the Packers this year. He's shown up to training camp. Devontae Adams will play for the Packers this year. He is under contract next year. It's a big old question mark on both of them, and I don't expect either of them to be Packers next season. So Aaron Rodgers in training camp, folks. Fantastic. Let's watch this one more time. Let's watch this man strut across the uh, parking lot. All smiles, ready to rock. No, he knows he won. He can do whatever he want with this team. And, uh, yeah. So now that kind of goes back to our narrative right now. I mean, that we're kind of looking at. Now that he's 100% here, let's get the Packers up. Where's our Packers one? Here we go. Does Aaron Rodgers show up and when? So that's kind of checked off. He showed up day one, and I applaud him for doing that. Uh, so fantastic there. But then also this one. This one's kind of the bigger one that we that we were talking about because in the back of our mind we knew he was going to show up just for his legacy. Um, you know, re, you know, restructured contract or not, we still think we still believe he would have showed up just because his legacy's sake. He cannot take a year off and then still be regarded as one of the best players of all time, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, because you missed a season. And then with all your kind of resume, that gets weighed down. And we know that Aaron Rodgers truly cares about legacy, folks. You can see it in the way he plays. I, I believe that 100%. But um, this is the bigger narrative that we have to watch for now. If and when he shows up, how is the overall chemistry of the team? How does Matt LaFleur handle the offseason digs and maintain an overall happy atmosphere? And that's exactly what we're talking about. They just restructure the contract to try to get him to a long-term deal. Let everything settle down. He's still on our team. He is still under contract. Let's show him all this love and support, and we're behind you, and we support you, and you are our team. So, you know, Matt LaFleur, 
maybe a little, you know, loosey-goosey this season with the play calling, with the relationship, everything smiles. But then on Aaron Rodgers' side, he knows they have to kind of walk on eggshells around him. And we kind of know Aaron Rodgers kind of thinks he's smarter and a little bit of a bigger brain than a lot of people. So he knows that they have to act like that so he can push the boundaries, push the line a little bit more, making for potentially an unhappy just kind of locker room overall because they're like, why do you keep bowing down to Aaron Rodgers and giving in to everything that he wants? And, you know, him kind of holding this team hostage because he knows he can and you can't really do anything or say anything about it. So we still have to watch the overall chemistry of the locker room. We know Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams are going to be buddy-buddy. We know that. They're going to be fine. But, you know, the offensive line, the running back, the other wide receivers, the defense, if they're getting it done, but the offense isn't. And it's like, you know, why are, you know, we risking it on offense when we can barely stop him on defense, or if we're stopping him on defense, why are we, you know, being so aggressive on offense and we're not getting any points because we're going for it on fourth down? So whatever the circumstance is going to be in the actual game time scenarios, how does Aaron Rodgers handle? Because he's in a power position right now. He can do whatever. He can say whatever. It doesn't matter because the organization is trying to keep him. Everybody, the, we've heard from the president, the general manager. We've heard from Matt LaFleur. We've heard from everybody here on this Packers team. And they all want Aaron Rodgers here for the rest of his career. They've all said that publicly. Aaron Rodgers has been reading that, has been listening to that. And he knows he's in a power play. He's got this Packers team by the balls. The fans want Aaron Rodgers. The media want Aaron Rodgers on this team and Aaron Rodgers has been proven over the last couple of months that he can do no wrong in the eyes of the fans so how is he going to treat the Packers coaching staff knowing that they cannot say anything bad about him they cannot hint to saying anything bad about him they cannot even think about thinking about saying something bad about this man so how does Aaron Rodgers handle that how is the locker room how is just the overall team coping with this kind of weird big old elephant in the room can't say anything bad about Aaron Rodgers or he'll walk he's got no problem walking he's got no problem calling out the players calling out the team he's got no problem doing that folks we've been seeing it for the last months on end everywhere he goes so that's the biggest thing to kind of talk about here. It's not about Devontae Adams' contract. It's not about Aaron Rodgers' restructured deal. It's about how is the tension, how is the atmosphere, and how is the chemistry of this Packers team now that he is, in fact, in the building. So we'll definitely keep an eye on that. How, how What is Matt LaFleur saying? I can't wait to see his kind of, you know, first quotes, first time speaking with Aaron Rodgers here. What does he say? Um, how much is he walking on eggshells and all that? So that's going to be a great quote to read when we get it. And I'm sure we'll get it by the end of today since, you know, they're reporting for training camp. So I'm sure we will get uh, Matt LaFleur's comments tomorrow on the show. All right, let's keep moving on here. And man, oh man, it's still everything. <laughs> everything that comes out here about Deshaun Watson is just like, ugh. Uh, we should have known something was coming out when he kind of wanted to get a trade. Because every time Deshaun Watson says the word trade, more allegations come out about this man. And it's so unfortunate. Um, it's just, here we go, folks. Ten women have filed complaints with Houston police against Deshaun Watson. So now before, it, they were all civil lawsuits, the 20-plus. I think it was like, 
I think it ended at like 21 or 23. We kind of saw like two two women dropped their cases, but all the other ones stood strong. So it's like, ooh. But uh, now they're filing criminal complaints. These are police, not civil lawsuits anymore. So now Deshaun Watson could be going to jail potentially. And that was kind of the, the if you wanted to look for some green flag in this entire Deshaun Watson kind of debacle that's been going on, the, the green flag, the silver lining was like, hey, these are civil lawsuits, so he's not going to jail. He'll have to pay a lot of money, most likely, but he's not going to lose his freedom, and he'll sh he should still be able to be out there every single Sunday on the NFL field. But now we're talking about criminal complaints, filing complaints with the Houston Police Department. So 10 women have filed complaints with the Houston Police Department against Deshaun Watson. Eight of those women are suing Watson, but two of the women that are filing criminal complaints are not part of any civil lawsuits. So that kind of speaks to, wow, I mean, when, you know, you, you get the narrative that, you know, if the women are doing it civilly, they're only looking for the money. That's why they're not going after criminal charges. The uh, burden of proof is a lot less in civil court. It's basically like you have to prove 51% that he did wrongdoing. It's like, you know, anything better than 50% you win when you're doing criminal it's proof with without proof beyond a reasonable doubt which i mean if you have to put a percent to it it's basically like 95 percent yeah so that's uh that's not good that now two other women who aren't in the civil lawsuits are going straight to criminal complaints they're like i don't even need the money baby i'm just trying to you know make this shit right because what he did was wrong and i feel i feel like i was a victim i feel like i was wrong and that's why they're filing these complaints with the houston police department so they're not looking for the money they're going straight for the straight for the freedom they're they're looking to take away your freedom not your money they don't want the money so let's go into the this article right here let's see if we get any kind of additional details on what these two extra women are truly saying in their criminal complaints so here we go 10 women have filed complaints with houston police about texans quarterback deshaun watson according to watson's attorney rusty harden Harden spoke with ESPN on Monday about the progress of the criminal and civil cases involving his client. Quote, there are 10 women that have made complaints to the Houston police. Eight of the women, according to Harden, are among the 22. So we're at 22 uh, among the 22 women who have alleged in lawsuits that Watson sexually assaulted them or engaged in sexually inappropriate behavior during massage sessions. Two of the women who have filed complaints with Houston police, Harden said, have not filed lawsuits against Watson. Against Watson. Quote, there are a couple of women who we don't know anything about, Harden said. Harden acknowledged knowing the names of the 10 women who have filed criminal complaints, including the two who are not involved in civil litigation, but declined to provide those names to ESPN. Houston police would not comment, comment when reached Monday on either the investigation or the number of women who have filed complaints. Harden said Watson and his legal team have fully cooperated with Houston police and with Harris County District Attorney's Office, saying, quote, We're dealing with both of them, providing them information. We're fully cooperating with police. 
We're fully cooperating with the district attorney's office. And when the criminal investigation is over, we'll fully cooperate with the NFL. And that's kind of another thing that we're talking about and tracking on this Deshaun Watson kind of story. Yes, we have the civil. Yes, we have the criminal. But we also have the NFL that uh, is a little kind of wishy-washy on how they rule things consistently and kind of comparably when you're talking about, you know, a domestic violence or a DUI. They really don't weigh them the same and they weigh the other one, like the DUI worse than the domestic violence. So the NFL doesn't have the best track record of appropriately disciplining their stars. So we have this kind of NFL side. We have Roger Goodell that can, you know, suspend him for the season, put him on the commissioner's exemplist saying he can't play while all of this is going on. So we have this other aspect. Yes, he plans to kind of be, yes, Deshaun Watson plans to kind of be there day one for training camp, but that kind of ban hammer from the NFL can come down at any minute. And then, you know, Deshaun Watson is kind of done for the season while he has to do all this kind of legal proceedings so we still haven't really heard from the nfl and that's not the greatest sign all right let's continue here with some quotes quote by uh, rusty harden all right here we go investigators with the nfl have yet to interview watson which is typical in an ongoing criminal matter matter harden said Quote, we've made it clear to the NFL that we'll totally cooperate with them when they're ready to visit with us. But they, out of defense, deference, deference to the criminal investigation, always try to wait until that's completed before they try to talk to the accused person. In a statement released to ESPN on Monday, Houston attorney... Tony Busby, who represents the 22 women suing Watson, said he and his legal team continue to handle 22 civil cases that make very serious and specific allegations. Quote, as of today, almost half of these women have given sworn statements to the police and almost half have spoken to the NFL of NFL's investigative team. Both processes are very lengthy. We expect to provide further information to the NFL from all victims. With respects to the pending lawsuits, Harden said that while both sides have exchanged documents, they have yet to schedule depositions for the 22 women. Under an agreement between the legal teams, depositions for the plaintiffs will begin in September. September. That's the start of the season. And we're not even going to be even close to a result on any of these lawsuits, any civil, uh, criminal. We're not going to get any really progress even before the start of the season. So once again, this is a lengthy process. We talked about it, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, maybe even a month ago on the show that uh, I forgot who it was, but um, they were saying that, you know, this whole lengthy criminal proceedings aren't even going to really wrap up until the end of next year. So, you know, that's kind of where we could potentially get Deshaun Watson on the commissioner's exemplist. And now we're not talking about a trade. We're not talking about him playing for the Texans. He's not going to be playing for anybody. And then him coming back from that is going to be real tough. 
Also, you know, missing a year of football, missing two years of football, whatever it is. Once again, going to put Deshaun Watson behind the eight ball, and that's never great because this man is greatness in the making. We are absolutely loving all the stats from every single year that we've seen from him so far, and this could just derail him even further, which is just unfortunate. Now, if he did it, it's not unfortunate, but if he didn't do it, then it is unfortunate. So we are just going to have to wait to see. Um, is he guilty? Is he innocent? And we'll, you know, know more, obviously, when uh, a couple of years down the line. All right, what else do we get here? <clears throat> Quote by Rusty Harden. It is really on it is really going to jeez. It is really going the normal course of all civil litigations. The dates haven't been set as of yet. The exact dates as to who would go when, but they'll start in September. So once again, not very great here. This is not going to be you know quick and easy. This is going to be long and drawn out and potentially painful for Watson. If you've got 22 women having detailed descriptions on you kind of masturbating in front of them and all that. So um, not, not, not great. All right, what else do we get here? Uh, if Watson were to reach a settlement with any or all of the women who are suing him, Harden reiterated his desire to make any settlement public and said Watson would not sign any settlement that includes a confidentiality agreement. So this man, and that's kind of the one thing that that's going for Deshaun Watson here. It truly seems like he's being as transparent as possible. He's truly and fully cooperating. It doesn't really seem like Deshaun Watson did all these things, but you know, we never know. We don't know what he does behind closed doors. We don't know what he's like behind closed doors, but everything in the spotlight, you know, even this reiterating here that, you know, he wants to make all the things public if they do kind of decide on a settlement out of court and paying all these women. Uh, quote here. I do not want anybody to be saying that this guy paid off women to stay quiet. And so if there ever was a settlement of any kind, it would have to be public. And therefore, both sides, Watson and the women, would it would be able to say to the world at large whatever they wanted. Harden acknowledged Monday that he is not involved in any way in the decision-making process with respect to Watson's football future. The Texans quarterback has been the subject of trade rumors for months, even before the off-field legal battles this off-season. Once again, that makes it a little questionable. We know we know these are million, billion-dollar businesses, and they don't want to lose their money-making kind of personnel. This is why they go out and sign Patrick Mahomes to a hundred million-dollar deal, ten or five. What was that? Five hundred? Five. $500 million deal kind of uh, 10 plus years because they make them money. So, you know, I don't think it's out of the realm of thinking, of logical thinking that the Texans got wind of Deshaun Watson wanting to trade and maybe somehow got these women to get a lawsuit because the timing is just real interesting. It's a little, it's a little coincidental. So we have to kind of think about it. Did the Texans organization have something to do with it? I mean, we can't really put anything past NFL teams now, uh, you know, regarding what we've heard from the Washington football team over the last two years. Real kind of sketchy practices going on, you know, from the top to the bottom. So I don't think that's out of the realm that the Texans may have paid these women. I don't know how they do it. I don't know. 
I don't know. I don't know how they do it. I don't. I've never seen it. I can assume, but I don't know. I've never seen it actually happen. But maybe the Texans got these women to make these allegations. True or not? I don't know. Does seem like Deshaun Watson is kind of 100% innocent, but that's according to what he's saying and everything that he's putting out, which obviously he would be saying. All right, but uh, last uh, two quotes here. Quote. Teams are ready to jump now if the Texans would trade with them, even while all this is pending, Harden said. There's no question that teams, numerous teams, are still interested. The ball is in the Texans' court. And the last quote here, quote, As far as Watson's football career, Busby told ESPN, I'm not focused on whether Watson will play. I'm instead focused on the welfare of the women he had contact with and aggressively pursuing their cases in court. And, yeah, why would Busby care about the future, about his NFL season? He doesn't care. He's like, I'm representing the women. <laughs> Fuck him. So, that's where we're at with Deshaun Watson. Now it's starting to get kind of criminal, which is obviously never good. And especially with two of those women not even going after the money. Once again, not really good if you read into it for Deshaun Watson. But uh, we'll keep eyes. And, uh, you know, obviously this is going to be one of the biggest stories of the season throughout the entire NFL season. As we said, we're not even going to get this. Uh, this is not even going to wrap up until, like, the end of the football season at minimum. Um, so, it's not, it's not going to go away. Um, none of these women are really kind of taking anything that they said back. We only had really two women uh, retract everything and drop their lawsuits. But then we just had two more just go straight for criminal. Not money related. They don't want the publicity. They want justice and justice to be served to Deshaun Watson if he is, in fact, guilty. So now that Aaron Rodgers is back, Deshaun Watson's story is front headline news now because that's the most interesting kind of quarterback story to talk about. So not looking great for little old Deshaun Watson out here. What's our narrative for the Texans uh, this year? Um, is Deshaun Watson going to jail? That one is seeming to be a little bit more on the table now, now that we're talking about criminal charges. So that's the first narrative. <laughs> that we wrote down, folks, is Deshaun Watson going to jail? <laughs> Potentially, folks. Not good. Alrighty, more kind of uh, first day of training camp news. And this one isn't the best look for Robert Sala because we get this now. All Jets players reported to camp this morning except... Except for one little low loan player. And it's the biggest player you better have be their first day. Zach Wilson was not here at training camp today. How truly unfortunate. Now, why? Because of this. Both sides are still trying to finalize his rookie contract. Similar situation happened in 2018 with Sam Darnold. Quote, hopefully it, get, it gets done soon, Robert Sala said. First practice is tomorrow. So, how does Robert Sala not have the deal done with Zach Wilson? We're at training camp. First day today. First practice tomorrow. First day is kind of getting everybody acclimated, acclimated, making sure all the paperwork's good, making sure everything's good, that they are all good to hit it tomorrow full force. And Zach Wilson's not here day one because y'all couldn't get his rookie contract deal figured out. It's not that hard to get a rookie deal figured out, folks. I mean, basically, wherever you go in the draft basically dictates what you do in your contract. Now, yes, there's, you know, negotiations and there's, you know, fine print and, you know, 
um, incentives and decentives and all that. And I get that. But the framework is still usually the same. So Robert Sala being a first-year head coach, not being able to get his rookie player, his his franchise rookie player, the second overall pick in this year's draft under contract and signed, secured, delivered before you had months on end and it's coming down to the nitty gritty the the day before the first practice and he still isn't signed. You still haven't gotten the deal done? This isn't the best look for Robert Sala and we've been buying Robert Sala slowly but surely this offseason and now when it's time to really show us what you're made of when training camp begins this is the first look we get? Not good. Really, really not good at all. How do you get everybody good to go besides your main man, your main guy? You need a quarterback. You need that man out there in practice. He dictates the entire practice, basically. When you're, you know, doing all the drills, you know, handling the offense, you have to start building that kind of rhythm in timing with the quarterback, with the offensive lineman. How is his cadence of calling the plays? Ready, set, hut. Or is he ready, set, hut, hut, hut. Or is he ready, set, Hot, hot. You have to build that cadence with the offensive line, with the running back. You have to build how you hand it off. How does Zach Wilson hand off the football? This running back's got no idea. He's never played with Zach Wilson before. Does he take a long extension, a long second step? Is it quick? Is he? Does he push it right in the gut? How does he deliver the ball? You need that timing day one with the running back. And then with the receivers, you need the timing on the routes. All right, I'm running a five-yard drop or a five-yard comeback route. I need the timing with Russell or with Zach Wilson. So as soon as I'm coming out of the break, the ball is already there. The timing from the throw to the cut of the route to the catch of the ball, it all needs to be 100% on time. And that's what you build upon day one of training camp, getting the timing of everything down. Cadence, snap, delivery of the ball, handoff of the ball, play action of the ball, throwing of the ball, delivery, five-yard comeback back route 10 yard in route 10 yard out route 15 yard fade uh 15 20 yard post route just an all-out go route you need the timing for everything so this is a big 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 huge mistake by Robert Sala not getting the deal done it's a rookie deal it's not that complicated wherever you go in the draft that's what you get paid that's why Kyle Pitts is the highest paid tight end in league history because he got drafted so high fourth overall because of the deal because of the spot that you get paid on this is not brain science Robert Sala let me go I will handle the contract for Zach Wilson I'll get it done fly me out there I'll get it done before tomorrow so everything goes smooth here for this Jets team. So this is truly the biggest black mark that we've seen here on Robert Sala's first year. And it better get done quickly, folks, because if Zach Wilson is not there day one, I'm not getting behind this uh, Jets team that much here early on. I mean, the Packers made Aaron Rodgers work. Come on. Come on. You can't tell me this Zach Wilson deal is harder than Aaron Rodgers' freaking meltdown fiasco this entire offseason. And Aaron Rodgers still got there before Zach Wilson? Oh, Robert. Robert. Not good, my man. Not good. Not good at all. Dan Campbell took care of his rookie deals.
That's Dan Campbell. Come on. Come on. So real bad look here for the Jets, yo. This is real bad. I, I'm, I, you know, this may not seem that big of a deal, but I truly think this is really, really bigly, bigly bad. Not that Zach Wilson, you know, is refusing to play or that Zach Wilson's not going to play this season. I'm just talking about the overall coaching, the overall kind of handling of the business side while also not being ready to go day one. You don't want any distractions your first year, you know, whether you're playing, whether you're coaching, whatever it is. Whether you're owning, general manager, whatever your first year is, you don't want any negative press. You want everything to go as smooth as possible. And this right here is not making it go as smooth as possible. So this is Robert Sala's big flounder, folks. Does he kind of recover from this? Does he get the deal done today? Because all he says is hopefully it gets done soon. So that's not kind of, you know, surprise. That's not kind of encouraging. This isn't like, you know, Robert Sala saying, oh, the deal's going to get done today. We're not worried about it. Um, you know, you know, we were expecting it to be like this or we were planning it for kind of to go on this long. Nothing like that. We get hopefully it gets done soon. Yes. Yeah, you are hoping. You better hope it gets done soon. This is your man. This is your guy. This is your future. You you win and lose. You will either be judged as a good head coach or a bad head coach, basically single-handedly on what Zach Wilson does. And you don't have his contract good to go by day one of training camp? Big, big, big elephant in the room, folks. Big old elephant trunking up the room. Oh, Robert. Bad look. Bad, bad, bad. I'm 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 holding this big bad folks. This is I'm weighing this very big bad for this Jets team. Uh, what's our Jets narrative for what's our Jets narrative for the training camp? Robert Sala, Kenny coach? Man, that's our first that's our first uh, one right there folks. The first one listed, Robert Sala, Kenny coach question mark. Not good. Not good at all. So We'll definitely keep eyes on this. I got to see Zach Wilson there, folks. Um, we'll probably check that out at the end of the show to see if this got done. But, man, oh, man, big bad here for the Jets, folks. Big bad wolf news for this Jets team. All righty. Let's go to somebody else. Let's go to another team that's kind of uh, trying to get it done this year. The Rams coach Sean McVay. Now, this one's interesting here. Rams coach Sean McVay doesn't plan to play running back Daryl Henderson in preseason. So, once again, we're going to get a lot of good, interesting looks from the other three running backs from this Rams team. And it truly doesn't seem like this Rams team is in any hurry to go out and sign that free agent running back. So, hey, I I'll take, you know, what Sean McVay is doing here as the right choice. I'm not going to say he's doing the wrong thing here. I'm going to kind of believe that he's doing the right thing because he knows knows this is kind of the year that needs to have everything be good so he's kind of you know doubling down on his decision and I've got no problem with that so uh let's go into this article right here and truly see what uh Sean McVay is saying and uh seeing if we get we want uh, something that we can sink our teeth into of what the other running backs are doing well we haven't really heard from these other running backs they're all kind of you know first second you know third year players um never really getting a starting role never really getting a backup role never really showing what they can do here in the NFL so we are really kind of going in blind we tried to see what they were doing but there's not a lot of carries there's not a lot of 
snaps. There's not a lot of in-game, in-the-NFL football tape, so we had to resort to like college stats and all that, and we really just don't know what these running backs are capable of. So we want somebody to tell us. We didn't get encouraging words from Matthew Stafford the other day, so let's see what uh, Sean McVay is saying out here and which ones are looking promising. But here we go. This is the same article that we read the other day. Alrighty, I thought we were getting Sean McVay's voice. Uh, here we go. I gotta scroll all the way down. I believe these are new quotes. I believe we have not read these. Is this Sean McVay? No, that's Matt Stafford. And that's Matt Stafford as well. Alright, this one. This is what we get. Here we go. I think this is new. I don't think we read these quotes. Here we go. The next man up on the depth chart is Henderson, whose 2020 season was cut short by an ankle injury. McVay said he sees him as a potential every down back, but doesn't plan to play him in the preseason as a precaution. Quote, it's never been an ability question. It's about how do we keep him available? And that's definitely true. You don't want to kind of, now that there's no Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson is your running back one hands down. And if you lose him... Ooh, that's bad. That's big bad because now you're asking two of these three running backs to have really good, solid years. And then at that point, you would have to go and get a veteran backup. So Sean McVay is truly taking a light here with Daryl Henderson, and I've got no problem with that. You cannot afford to lose another good running back here with all that kind of mystery at number two, three, and four at the current moment. There's a familiar face available on the open market in Todd Gurley, but McVay said the team isn't looking to add the former Rams All-Pro quote. I don't think that's something we're exploring with the veteran route. It's unfortunate for Cam. We are going to use camp to see how running backs coach Thomas Brown can implore into these guys. So we're not getting you know anything anything solid on these other running backs. Daryl Henderson, don't expect him to kind of be practicing and playing in the preseason. They know what they have in them. They're going to use this training camp to see what they've got for the other three running backs that they have. And uh, that's going to be real interesting to see what they're looking like in training camp because we have no real good footage of them in the NFL. No great stats to really sink our teeth into. And uh, Sean McVay double down says, hey, we're not going to go get the veterans. Stop asking about the vets, baby. Stop asking about them. It's next man up, baby. We still got three. We'll make one of them work. And we'll have Daryl Henderson be our every down back. So they're not going to really be doing running back by committee. They're going to be kind of running back by whenever Daryl Henderson needs a rest because we've been working him to death out there. So the Rams are kind of content on using Daryl Henderson the entire season and just using another running back as kind of a pure backup state like the Titans do with Derrick Henry. I mean, you don't see nobody else out there besides Derrick Henry unless he needs a rest, which he needs uh, not that much because he's <laughs> rushing for 2,000 yards. So he's always fresh, basically. But uh, every down and every here and then, hey, go out there. Let me get let me get one rest out here. Let me get one breath. Jeez. So Sean McVay is still going with Daryl Henderson, folks. And uh, training camp's opening up soon. Cannot wait. I got to see what these running backs can do, folks. We got to see. Who's going to emerge? Next man up mentality. Let's get it going. This is your chance. This is your chance. There's an open spot. Go get it. Go freaking get it. Go earn it. Love to hear it. <laughs> All right. Let's move on here. 
And we're going to have two stories here back to back. And I want to pay attention to the language because we're still a little bit hesitant and a little bit worried about this Saquon Barkley coming back from the injury. So I just kind of want to take the language because both of these quotes, both of these stories are from Joe Judge, the head coach from the Giants. And we get kind of two different uh, two different players. One's Saquon Barkley and one's our one, one of the biggest people that we definitely want to watch in the NFL season of a rookie in Kadarius Tony, wide receiver. We absolutely love that man. We think that man could be truly on Tyreek Hill's level as a wide receiver, and that that's dangerous. So let's pay attention to the language here. Here we go. First one, Giants head coach Joe Judge on Saquon Barkley's comeback from an ACL tear. Quote, we want to make sure we make the right decision for him and the team so that when we do put him out there, he can stay out there. So once again, this is tight-lipped about Saquon Barkley. We're getting no timetable. We're getting kind of no, oh, yeah, he'll be good for week one. Oh, yeah, you know, everything's just kind of a precaution. We just want to, you know, take it light and take it slow. But, yeah, we've got big confidence in him. We're not hearing anything like that from Saquon Barkley or from the coaches or from the medical staff. And that's why we have big question marks on this giant team because they're kind of going to be making broke by Saquon Barkley just being out there whether he returns returns the kind of prime form before the injury whether he just kind of stinks it up back there that's really it really doesn't matter that much you just need the threat of him back there uh, for the offensive passing game to really get going and that's what we really need to see this year that uh, that big year three leap by Daniel Jones and that great wide receiver core uh, that they've got going on over there. They really just need that passing game getting off to a great, great, real good hot start this season. And if you don't have a running back back there, it's not going to get off the ground. So we don't need Saquon Barkley to be the A1 tier one running back. It would be great if he is, but I don't think that's going to really kind of make or break this giant season. Just having him out there I think is a little bit better overall. But let's see what we get here by Joe Judge, and let's see what he's saying out here. And if there's any nuggets of information we can truly sink our teeth into and start buying and start kind of uh, diving into. So here we go. Caution tape might well be sewn across whatever it is that New York star running back is rehabbing. Updates aplenty throughout the offseason have offered little, truly, I mean, tell us, folks. You only got to tell us. Damn. I mean, folks, we, we, we're trying to read every single Saquon Barkley article that we can, and we're still, we still got nothing. We've got no little hints, no nuggets of information, nothing at all. And we've read, I, I would probably say close to five to ten Saquon Barkley articles and seeing this man work out and all that, and we still got nothing. So you ain't got to tell us. Back to the article here. Uh, updates aplenty throughout the offseason have offered little in terms of a timetable for Saquon Barkley's return from an ACL tear. And Giants head coach Joe Judge stressed that caution is the preeminent factor when it comes to Barkley hitting the field running. Quote, it's still under a year from the surgery, so I want to make sure we are very cautious what we do with him. We're, we, we are just wanting to make sure that when he's fully ready to go, we put him out there. He's definitely been working his butt off this summer, and we've seen it. Trust me, we have seen it. We love it. Uh, he's been working his butt off this summer, and he's made a lot of progress, and he's anxious to get out there. But we want to make sure we make the right decision for him and the team so that when we do put him out there, he can stay out there. And, yes, I understand that in pr principle. That is exactly what you have to say. But – I got to see something 
Y'all are falling quick. Y'all are falling quick. We had y'all number one in the NFC East. Now we have you number two. And, you know, if uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick and the offense is looking real good in training camp, I could put Washington number three and the Giants are falling down to number – or I can move the Washington to two, Giants down to number three. I don't think we can ever put this Eagles team above the Giants. I think the Giants will always be at minimum three. But that's not good. We want you to be number one because you were number one before. So – we just want to see and we want to hear from you. That's what we can buy into. That's what we can kind of root for. And that's what we can get behind. But we can't get behind. Yeah, we, we don't know. <laughs> we, I, I'm not going to get behind boilerplate standard answers. I'm not going to, folks. We never do. What are you showing us? What are you telling us? That's what we buy into. Not, uh, you know, business. You know, I have to say what is written on the teleprompter so I don't have my job pulled out from under me. I don't want to hear any of that. I want to hear villain Tom Brady. I want to hear Saquon Barkley say, yeah, I'm ready to go right now. I don't know what y'all are saying. <laughs> I want to hear Aaron Rodgers say, fuck this team. Fuck this team. That's what I want to hear. All right, what else do we get here? Barkley missed the final 14 games of the season. Uh, we get another quote here, so here we go. Questions will carry on in abundant fashion throughout camp until Barkley actually returns to practicing with the team, but Judge was adamant that won't happen until he's ready to be a full go. Quote, until a player can get in with our team in practice and go full speed, we'll never ask them to go against an opponent full speed. So, we need him to be ready kind of uh, before week one, kind of preseason game number three at least, so he's ready to go week one as well. Per Newsday, Judge described what he's seen of Barkley's offseason workouts on his road to recovery as, quote, very impressive, but that was, quote, not fully ready to go. In the second year, Big Blue coach clarified that he – that there's a large difference between looking good and being good enough to go against live competition. Once again, don't tell me that. Don't tell me that because we've been buying into Saquon Barkley working out. We've been loving seeing the calves pop and him working and working out with chains and getting the kind of, you know, quick cuts in because we've been buying that. But Joe Judge is now telling us, yeah, you can't buy into that. Joe Judge, Giants, what are y'all doing? I'm about to have y'all number three in the NFC East. Damn. Oh, boy, this is not a, yo, what, all the news that we've gotten today on the show has not been good. Texans, Deshaun Watson going to jail. Robert Sala not getting the rookie deal figured out. Joe Judge saying don't buy anything you see of Saquon Barkley because it doesn't matter. What are we doing here? Oh, my goodness. This is not great, but last quote here. Quote, there's a big difference between rehab, running through bags, and running through a hole, sticking your foot in the ground while somebody is trying to tackle you at full speed. <sighs> well, thanks for that, because I've been loving Saquon Barkley working out, folks. We've been getting big on Saquon Barkley, and we've everything that we've seen, we're like, oh, this man is kind of, you know, ready to go. He just doesn't want to say. But now, Joe Judge saying this, Saquon Barkley being tight-lipped, there's no timetable from the medical staff. He's probably not going to be ready week one, folks, and that's going to be a big knock on this Giants team. It's going to be real bad for this Giants team right out of the gate. So, uh, ugh, this ain't good. Damn, the Giants, man. We were big on the Giants. In everything we've been seeing, we're losing. We're losing momentum. We're losing speed on this Giants team. Not good. So that was the language. That's where the that's the quotes right from the horse's mouth here of Joe Judge. And now we get another kind of quote. 
from talking about Kadarius Tony. So let's start talking about him and what Joe Judge in the language that he's using on Kadarius Tony. So here we go. Joe Judge not worried about Kadarius Tony's strange start to his Giants tenure, saying, "Quote: There are a lot of things early." in this guy's career that are, to be honest with you, being overinflated. So everything that we've been hearing about Kadarius Tony, hopefully they kind of outlined in the article because the only one that I kind of remember hearing is that he has COVID and is out on the COVID-19 list. But what are these other kind of bad that uh, NFL.com says strange start to Kadarius Tony's career? So let's go into this article and pay attention to the language that Joe Judge is saying because in that glimpse of the quote he says these are being inflated he doesn't say that about Saquon Barkley he's saying no even you know and he even kind of you know knocks Saquon Barkley saying yeah you know he's working out and that's good but that ain't that ain't the real work that ain't promising for the real work this is not good folks big red flag big 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 the biggest red flag we've had from the Giants all offseason it's right here right now today day before training camp training camp day like what the heck not what we want to hear here we go. Kadarius Tony is the latest first-round pick to provide an injection of new hope to the Giants in their passionate fan base, but th his start has been, well, odd. And we absolutely love Kadarius Tony. We compare him to Tyreek Hill, and we have him uh, highly, highly, highly ranked on our big board. I really, really, really want to move this man up a couple of spots. I'm not going to do it quite yet. Um, if we do it, it will probably be very close to the season where we kind of lock in everything. But we have this man number four on our wide receiver big board above Rashad Bateman and above Elijah Moore. So we are big, big, big on Kadarius Tony, small, fast, and can go up and play the ball like Tyreek Hill. Uh, but he has to go do that in the NFL for us to kind of put him in the same conversation as Tyreek Hill. But the man's got some great speed and we really want to see it. Back to the article. Tony's Giants career began in the spring with a wrong size pair of cleats, a no socks practice, and an apparent minor injury related to his foot. He then followed that up by skipping the first six OTA practices due to a dispute over his rookie contract, a rarity in today's age of predetermined contracts. Once again, Robert Sala, what are you doing? How does how does Zach Wilson not have his deal done? How? Predetermined contracts, we've been saying that all day. Ugh. Ugh. This is... I don't know how we're going to get through the rest of the show today, folks. I, I don't know what's going on here in the league. Get me the head coach. I will get it done, folks. Oh, my goodness. So, Kadarius Tony not off to a good start here. Let's keep it up. The third and final peculiarity of Tony's first year in the NFL was a positive COVID-19 test just before the start of camp. I think it was just like two days ago. Tony has had anything but a smooth start to his professional career and has made more headlines than highlights at this very at at this still very young point of his initial season, but Giants coach Joe Judge doesn't seem too concerned. And they used the wrong two here. Look at this. You professional writer using the wrong two? What are you doing? What are you doing? Um but yeah, this is I mean, that's kind of bad. A rookie, all these mistakes. Holding you, you held out of your rookie deal. <laughs> what the hell is that? I've never heard of that. I don't think Zach Wilson's holding out. He's just like, are y'all gonna like give me some good incentives in here or something like that? So this isn't good. But Joe Judge is kind of brushing all this under the rug. So let's see what he's saying. Quote: This guy loves football and he goes hard when he's practicing. He plays hard. 
There's a lot of guys who are talented and they have some other things outside the building that distract them when they get in the building. We haven't seen that with him. This guy does a tremendous job in meetings. He does a great job in walkthroughs. He practices hard so that to me is really the measuring stick of what it is. And I think there are a lot of things early in this guy's career that are, to be honest with you, being overinflated. It hasn't detracted from the actual football when he's when he's involved with us. So Joe Judge making it seem a little bit better, but why is he not using that same language with Saquon Barkley? Why are we not getting that? Joe Judge is kind of shitting on Saquon Barkley being saying like, yeah, you know, the, the workouts are good, but <laughs> that doesn't matter. When you're on the field, it's totally different kind of workout set, different kind of, you know, overall core strength sets than just running and doing pull-ups with chains on. It doesn't doesn't matter. But Kadarius Tony, oh, yeah, contract disputes and, you know, missing OTAs and, you know, forgetting your cleats and forgetting your socks and having a po positive COVID test. Oh, that's no big deal. We're not, we're not worried about that. The man gets it on when he's here. So I, I just don't like it 100%. I don't like it 100%. Whether I'm reading too much into it, which that's what we do here on the show. I've got no problem with that. It's just not great. It's just not great. I'm going to take every nugget of information, weigh it differently, and this is not good from all that we've seen so far. This is not what we want to see. This is not what we want to hear, and this is just not good, folks. Uh, we get two more quotes here, so let's uh, wrap it up. All right, here we go. He figures a play a he figures to play a role in the tw New York's offense in 2021 though how large it will be remains to be seen like we said they've got you know they they've got like four or five deep already at wide receiver so Kadarius Tony truly needs to be out there so we can go and get a starting spot we want to see this man be a starting wide receiver in the league we believe he's got the talent to do so it's just unfortunate the Giants brought in a ton of talent this offseason good for Daniel Jones bad for Kadarius Tony who's missing all these practices who's not getting all these reps because he's not there so how is Joe Judge just going to wipe all this under the rug when all these other players, all these other players that you signed at the wide receiver position are out there and are, you know, more proven than Kadarius Tony is? So once again, not good, folks. This is just plain not good. At the very least, though, Tony is doing what is necessary to start his progression. Quote by Joe Judge, quote, I just like every other rookie. I just think like every other rookie in this league, this guy's got to develop. That includes developing off the field, learning how to be a professional, learning how to do things on his own at a high level. On the field, there's always a learning curve. There just is. And if you want to if you want to look at receivers year by year, it takes a season for these guys to really get rolling. It doesn't mean they don't make impacts or contributions, but especially those slot receivers, guys that play it there, it takes a little while to really learn to handle all the multiples you're going, you're going to see defensively. So Joe judge is still kind of praising Kadarius, Tony, everything he does really, you can't do no wrong, but with Saquon Barkley, it's uh, not looking good. So, not good here by the Giants, folks. We're falling big off the Giants so far. Not looking, not what we want to hear, not what we want to see when training camp starts for the Giants team. We'll see how long it takes Saquon Barkley to get back out there, and then we can start buying into this team a little bit more. But until Saquon Barkley's back, this Giants team is at a little bit of a low ceiling overall. And then we get this right here. Not great. Once again, not great. Not what we want to hear because we get this. Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow, quote, clear to do everything, 
everything in camp. Everything. What was Joe Burrow's injury? ACL tear. When did it come? About like eight weeks later than Saquon Barkley's. And one is ready to go now and one isn't. Once again, big red flag. Big red flag on Saquon Barkley. This is not good. Joe Burrow's good to go. Full full contact, full speed, not on the PUP list, physically unable to perform, even though they had the same injury, even though that Burrow's was a little bit later in the season. And uh, it's both today for both these players. It's both right now. And one's in and one's not even close, not even being talked about being ready to go. So that's good for Joe Burrow. <laughs> that's real good for this Bengals team, but not good for the Giants. So Joey B is good to go, folks. Cleared to do everything, everything in camp, which is great for the kid coming off of that ACL tear going into his second season. Hopefully he's great to go. Hopefully he's looking good too. All right, more training camp news out here, and this is good news here for Dolphins fans, me, all the other ones out here. Xavier Howard, the cornerback that was kind of holding out because he wanted to get paid in another big contract, he ended up showing up to training camp today. Fantastic. He's ready to rock. He's ready to put in work. He's still a little upset, and he still wants you know a bigger deal, but he's out there. He's showing, hey, I'll work with you if you work with me, and he's out there day one. So you know that's gonna help him maybe in you know contract negotiation talks. You know, just kind of a good faith. Hey, Brian Flores is like, all right, you know, we appreciate you showing up, even though that you're you know dissatisfied with your contract. Maybe we can work it out a little bit more. Not a hundred percent to your liking, but we can give you a little bit more because you did show up. You did the right thing by showing up. So that's great that Xavier Howard is here. Do not want to see him get traded. Want to see what this defense can do. I mean, Brian Flores, I believe, is a really smart defensive mind. Um, you know, coming from the Patriots organization, obviously, you got to be a little smart. And he's really been making it work the first two years he's been here in Miami. So I want to see what his defense can do, having kind of a full season under their belt without too many kind of, you know, revolving doors. I mean, we had Kyle Van Noy, unfortunate, but, uh, you know, Xavier Howard, you know, if we lose him, then, you know, we're starting over from scratch at the cornerback position a little bit. So let's see what everybody can do at full strength year two under a Brian Flores defense. And uh, this is a great sign that Xavier Howard shows up today for the Dolphins training camp day one. Love to see it. Alrighty, we get the Vikings. We can talk about this quickly. Vikings signed former Jaguars wide receiver D.D. Westbrook. Alrighty, now, this isn't big headline breaking news, obviously, but this is real solid news for Vikings because they do have two great wide receivers already. You got Justin Jefferson, obviously A1 tier one, and then you got Adam Thielen, who's real solid, a real solid number two. But just bringing in some no more depth for this Vikings team, D.D. Westbrook could definitely be wide receiver number three here. At the Vikings depth chart, they had Chad Beebe listed as wide receiver number three, but he only caught 201 yards last season, only five times. So it's not like he, it's going to be a hard position to beat out for D.D. Westbrook to kind of get into the starting lineup. When we look at what D.D. Westbrook has done in his career, once again, nothing great. He's not, a, uh, he's not a tier one wide receiver in this league, borderline tier two, but you know, he's going to be the third option here. So that's still good for that position. And he's six foot. Love to see that. His best receiving season was seven, 717 yards in 2018. And then the year following that, 2019, was 660 yards. So once again, that's kind of solid, you know, tier two-ish, bottom tier two wide receiver. That's pretty solid. Solid catch percentage too, 65.3%. He went back-to-back -back years at 65.3%. You love to see that. So once again, real solid work out there. 
2020, little bit of an injury, and he's no good to go, and he doesn't play last year. So coming off, I believe, an ACL tear, which is never great, but he's coming back and trying to get back into form. He's only going into his fifth season, so he's still young as well and a perfect fit for this Vikings team that just kind of needs a little extra depth, a little third option, no big deal, and that's what D.D. Westbrook can bring to this Vikings team. So a solid pickup there for this Vikings team at the wide receiver position. All right, let's talk about um, this. and We got two more stories to talk about. Talking about wide receivers, real interesting the route the Saints went. We kind of, you know, looked at the free agent list, Kenny Stills. There was Josh Gordon, who we really wanted to see uh, go to the Saints. We thought that was kind of the best comp of a Michael Thomas that you could get. Uh, there was Kenny Stills, like we said. There was Golden Tate. Larry Fitzgerald, we didn't really love. Danny Amendola was an option. Alshon Jeffrey. So there was some solid wide receiver talent out here that we thought the Saints should go out and get. But the one that they went with is a little head-scratching. They go with Chris Hogan. So a little interesting there. After a workout, the Saints go out and sign Chris Hogan. So of all those wide receivers, the free agent ones that we've said, you go with Chris Hogan? Okay. Nothing great in his career. Once again, I mean, probably a tier three wide receiver. Not really even a tier two in this league, unfortunate. Uh, he's 6'1", which is great. We love that. But his highest receiving season was 6'80", with the Patriots. And then he never really lived up to that ever again. His second highest was 532. And then his third highest is about 450, where he's got three seasons with 400-plus yards. But it's nothing good. It's nothing great. No great catch percentage, uh, 67% in 2014. He had a 65% in 2016, 63% in 2018. But once again, just nothing great. His career overall is 61% catch percentage. So it's just a little real questionable that this is the guy that the Saints went, went with when you're truly trying to kill, you know, fill a void here at the wide receiver position with two you know young, potentially struggling, struggling quarterbacks out there. So... Not the best look here for the Saints team. Do they say who else they worked out here? It just says Chris Hogan. Um, but uh, it's just kind of seeming like they are uh, going with, you know, nothing big. They don't want to kind of create controversy, you know, come week seven when Michael Thomas does come back. But, I mean, you know, the Saints team doesn't have that many great wide receivers to begin with. So, you know, you could splurge a little bit and get one of those big kind of free agent names. But... They go with Chris Hogan, 7-11, open 24-7, but uh, doesn't really get it done in the game. So it's going to be tough, but they're believing in Chris Hogan, and we'll see if kind of Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill can elevate his level of play. It's going to be tough, but we'll see. I mean, he was with the Patriots in uh, 2016, folks. That's Tom Brady. 2017, that's Tom Brady. 2018, that's Tom Brady. So still couldn't work with Tommy, ba Tommy B, but you're going to work with Jameis W? Taysom H? I don't think so. So just a little curious out there. All right, then the last story to talk about here, Trey Turner, Turner the new addition to the Franken line 
of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He says he's determined to lead the Steelers' remade offensive line into, quote, a new era. Love hearing that. This is the new era in the NFL, the 17-game season. We're going to be talking about this new era all season long, but he's trying to bring this Steelers' offensive line that is new this year. Like we said, four new offensive line here for the Steelers, and he wants to bring this team into a new era of its own. So you love hearing that. So let's quickly see what this man is saying. And once again, we're starting to buy the Steelers' team a little bit more recently. Loving everything that we've been hearing from them. Um, so let's see what the, the offensive lineman Trey Turner is saying here. So here we go. <clears throat> it was just a few days into the Steelers training camp in new guard Trey Turner had made a mistake. Offensive coordinator Matt Canada didn't even notice it. Well, that's not good. If the offensive coordinator is not making mistakes, we like Matt Canada. We've been liking everything we've been hearing. Well, this isn't good. Uh, but Turner knew he had erred and couldn't help but communicate it to his coach. That's great. I mean, you know, um, what is it? Integrity is what you do when nobody's watching. Trey Turner's got integrity off the woo-ha, folks. Love it. This is why he's a five-time Pro Bowler and why the Steelers, Steelers were happy to add him to their rebuilt offensive line this offseason. Quote, obviously a veteran, and this is Matt Canada, quote, obviously a veteran like him who's played as well as he has. I think we're very fortunate to have him and really like where he's at. And he's worked very hard to not have those mistakes and to be as efficient as he was as he has been three days is really a positive for us and him. Big fan of him. So once again, he's stacking three good days on top of good days on top of good days. Like we want to see what we hear is kind of, you know, the benchmark of getting better, putting good days on top of good days. And that's what we're hearing about Trey Turner. So that's great. All right. What else do we get to hear about Trey Turner? Um, Turner is playing for his third team in, in as many seasons. Take one look at the Steelers' offensive line, and it's clear why he isn't approaching the situation like a newcomer. Pittsburgh is replacing all five starters from a year ago. Turner, who's coming off an unremarkable and injury-riddled campaign with the Chargers, easily has the most experience of the current bench. That, that he was acquired just a day after Stalwart... David DeCastro was cut, only adds more pressure, at least in theory. Quote here by Trey Turner. I just look at it like it's a new era, a different time, different place. Everything has an expiration date at some point. DeCastro was a great player, and I wouldn't necessarily say I'm replacing him. I'm just new. I'm just a new right guard. I'm going to be the best Trey Turner I can be. I've been that since I was born June 14th, 1993. That's never changed. I'm not trying to emulate or be somebody else. I'm not ta I'm not taking place of nobody else. I'm not replacing anything. I'm coming in and I'm setting the tone for who I am and what I do. So love hearing that from Trey Turner. The man's got great integrity. Matt Canada is a big fan. And Trey Turner's got some great experience and just a great outlook on life in general. And hopefully that is inspiring to this kind of new offensive line for the Steelers. So once again, we're still big on the Steelers team. Everything we're hearing is just checking all the boxes for us. This offensive line is going to make or break the Steelers season overall for the running game, for the passing game, protecting Big Ben, opening up big holes for rookie sensation running back. Najee Harris, and uh, if the Trey Turner, if he whips these boys up into shape, gets them playing great, gets them playing as a team, get them not making mistakes throughout the games, we've got a real great solid Steelers team here offensively, and we know the defense is still as solid. So, big on the Steelers today, folks. Still big on the Steelers.
Alrighty, those were all the stories that we needed to get to for today, so fantastic there. But let's start talking about an NFL team and getting them reset on our NFL team refresher. So far, we've only covered one team, and that was the Denver Broncos. We projected their season at 10-7 and or 11-6. and Real solid team overall. Quarterback's really going to be kind of the make it or break it, but we believe in Teddy Bridgewater. Defense should be real solid. Great playmakers all around them. We'll see how Melvin Gordon does, and uh, we have this Broncos team decently solid here at 10-7 and or 11-6. and We'll give them a bonus bonus point there bonus win and we may even give them one more maybe even a 12 and 5 because like we said if you have a tight end in tight end university we could bump you up one more win so we're just kind of keeping track we'll keep an order of just how we are feeling about teams Denver Broncos are the first one on this list so whichever team we do next we'll always kind of be comparing them to the Denver Broncos a little bit and then you know you know seeing if they should fall above or below and that's what we'll do as we go through all these teams just kind of seeing where they are fitting in comparison to the other teams in the league. So, uh, let's get the wheel up here. Do an NFL team every single day, random, just seeing what they did last season, what they bring in this season, who did they lose this offseason, how are we feeling about them, what do they got going on, and then we'll walk through their schedule and see how many wins, quality wins, winnable games that they have on the season schedule and decide their overall outcome this year. So, let's see who we're going to get here. Day two of our NFL team refresher here. Let's see what the next team up is. Here we go. Wheel is spinning, slowing down, and team number two is going to be the New Orleans Saints. All righty, folks. Well, to talk about the Saints, we got to talk about the big old elephant in the room. Who is going to be the starting quarterback, Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill? So the first thing that I want to do here is just look at what they did last season. Let's see if we can quickly bring up their um, their passes. Well, we can bring up their stats too because they both did get burn, a little bit of burn. Uh, Tameis Tameis. Hill, a little bit more burn on the field than Jameis Winston, but uh, I want to see what they were doing, what they were looking like, because when we were kind of watching them in the regular season, the last time we looked at them, we liked what we saw from Taysom Hill better than we saw Jason, than, better than what we saw from Jameis Winston, just in the purely what they did with the Saints. Yes, I love it, folks. Y'all know Jameis Winston has a special place in my heart for throwing that 5,000-yard season. I will... Take that to the grave. Jameis Winston will always be forever attached to takes by fans for throwing that 5,000-yard season. Love that. But what we saw from the Saints last year, we did like Tameis Hill. Am I saying that right? Why does it sound weird now? Taysom Hill. Yeah, that's all right. Taysom Hill. We'll see what Taysom Hill can do. I want to see uh, just another refresher. Are we still feeling the same way? So let's get up their stats quickly because we can look at it by the numbers since they both did play last season. So Taysom Hill, get up Jameis Winston, and then we'll see if we can quickly bring up uh, their highlights from this season as well, because I do want to see what they're looking like on the field. Uh, 2020 highlights. All right, perfect. Full 2020 season highlights were perfect. And uh, so let's bring this up really quickly. Let's start with old Taysom Hill. Here we go. 2020 highlights. Let's kind of take a quickly, twi twi quick little look at the stats quickly. All righty. He started eight games last season. Oh, that's rushing. 
All right, well, let's talk about passing because you did get into some games here. Don't trip. Just worried about what he's doing in the passing game. You know, we know he's a quick runner, and we'll we'll sure to see that on the tape. Jameis Winston is not a dual-threat quarterback. When we talk about Taysom Hill, we kind of talk about him in kind of, you know, the elite top five of dual-threat. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, Larry ja uh, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Taysom Hill, Deshaun Watson, the top six, the elite six. I put him in there. I think he's got that great speed. But let's talk about passing for a second here. This season, 72% completion percentage on just 121 completions. Like you said, it's not a full year. He started one, two, three, four. Started four games at the quarterback position. Once again, solid work there. He went three and one during that four game stretch. He put up a 21 point game, a 21 point game, a 31 point game, and a 24 point game. So that's still real solid production right there from the quarterback, especially when you're kind of thrown in there. He was thrown in there week 12 through 14. So once again, thrown in midseason, uh, week 11, excuse me, week 11 through 14. So once again, that's solid work out there, solid production offensively. So 72% completion percentage throughout this uh, season. Um, he did throw four touchdowns and two picks. Not the greatest. He had two games where he didn't throw a touchdown. That's not the greatest out there, but some solid work. Now let's see what Jameis Winston did this season as a quarterback. He played in four games. I, he didn't start any. I thought he started a game. Interesting. Uh, didn't start a game, but he only threw 11 passes for 63% completion percentage in 75 yards. So we didn't get a lot of tape here from Jameis Winston. So we'll have to try to, you know, analyze a short sample size and we'll try to see what we see. But uh, let's see what Taysom Hill is doing first here in the 2020 season, last season, when they needed him to come in. So here we go. Uh, there, uh, he's catching the ball here. We don't care about that. Well, we can look at the speed real quick. Look at the speed real quickly here. Leaking out the side. Solid speed, solid speed. We like the speed. All right, here we go. First, first play at quarterback. It's a play action pass. Stands in the pocket. Has great vision. Look at that. Look at this, folks. He can escape the pocket so well. This pressure's coming. He's keeping his eyes down the field, but he knows he just has to go out and take it. And he runs for about 15 yards, and he's able to get there quickly. Look at him kind of, you know, we always like to kind of use this analogy, running under the under the temple door before it fully closes on you. The Indiana Jones, he's running, running, running. The door is closing, and he slides under there in safety. That's kind of like what Taysom Hill's doing here. Two defenders convert and he's able to slip through the middle of them before they converge and tackle him down and he's able to kind of pick up an extra three yards because he's able to pick up that speed that he has so greatly so that's great here we go a flea flicker play here we go it's wide open to Alvin Kamara he puts it right on the money Alvin Kamara does his thing and takes it down inside the tent um here we go this is still Drew Brees at quarterback but he's given the ball here oh no this is Taysom Hill here we go Taysom Hill now full game here this is still early in the season, so he's still not the starter, but a gadget play out here. They run a little bit of a sweep. They run him off the right side, and the speed is there for the 10 yards for the touchdown. Fantastic. Here we go. Taysom Hill, not at quarterback, catching the ball here over the middle. And once again, I mean, he's just lined up, I think, in like the slot over here. Look at him. Look at him. Trips to the left. He's there. Does a nice little kind of, you know, uh, uh, post route in the middle of the field and he's gonna go for the touchdown this man's got it folks now we're starting to get into some passing plays here here we go facing the bucks here passing the ball boom right on the money right on the money to jared cook 
Here we go. Passing against the box. Nope. That's Drew Brees. Damn. But he goes and catches it. 15 yards down the field. Finds the soft spot of the zone. So he's a great pass catcher. Fantastic. Is he passing here? Here we go. Now he's passing. Here we go. Pump fake. And then takes it. Oh, look at the speed. Oh, and he's got some hurdles. Oh, boy. Jumped over somebody. The man is quick, folks. That's some quick-ass speed. He's got some great acceleration. Once again, helping the Saints team overall at the quarterback position when you have a dual-threat quarterback. Jameis Winston does not run, folks. He is not a running quarterback. We can look at his, see his uh, career rushing stats. He only has 1,000 career rushing yards, never rushing more than 281 yards in a season. Let's see what Taysom Hill has overall for rushing stats. We know he's just a gadget player, but uh, we'll see how many he's got. Just to put a number to it. This season, he had 457 rushing yards. So basically half than Jameis Winston does overall. And Jameis Winston's been a starter for five, five years in this league. And Taysom Hill did it year one, or just in one season, did half of his production. So, Jameis Winston is not a dual-threat quarterback, folks. All right, here we go. Handles the snap badly, recovers it, flicks it to a wide-open kind of tight end, and he goes for about 25-plus yards. Fantastic. All right, now let's start to get into the nitty-gritty here of him just fully being a quarterback passer. When was the first game that he started so we can get a weak number? All right, week 11 against the Atlanta Falcons was his first game purely passing. So here we go. This is it. Here we go. Week 11. Here we go. Against the Falcons. Here we go. Now just a strict passer. Let's see what we got. Going deep. Look at the arm strength. This one was underthrown, but we have to count the yards. Throwing it from his own 35-yard line, getting it all the way down to the 15. So 15 plus 35, that's 50 yards. That's real good. But that seems to be his max so far since this one was way underthrown and the receiver had to really kind of play back towards this ball. It was a completion. We'll give him credit, and we'll give him credit for a 50-yard arm. Jameis Winston, I believe, can probably go for 55. So maybe a little bit of a... Um, a leg up for Jameis Winston just in the pure deep ball ability. Well, But we'll see if Taysom Hill can go bigger than 50. All right, here we go. Another passing play here. Right there. Look at it. Fit it right in the spot. Bingo, bango. Hit him on the comeback route. Great job right there. Picks up the first down. No pass. No uh, chance at an incompletion. No chance at an interception. Here we go on the goal line. And once again, fourth and goal. This is why you have him as a starter because there's just so much you have to cover with him because he's just a great athlete. Here we go. Stepping up in the pocket. That's a little bit of a dangerous throw here. A little bit of a dangerous throw right there. But it's a completion right there. So you give him credit. Can't really tell 100% if that was still eligible to be kind of an interception. But it's a completion, so we got to give him credit. Here we go on the play action. Standing tall in the pocket. Looking to run. Keeps his eyes downfield, and then he decides to run off for it. And then once again, just that speed, that acceleration. Folks, he's able to beat these three defenders, and he's only got kind of like three yards to the left and like two yards to the right of him. So he's kind of boxed in, but he still has that sheer speed to beat everybody to the corner for the touchdown. So once again, what he can bring to this team at the quarterback, that great dual threat ability. It's fantastic. Here we go against the Broncos on the goal line. It's just a sheer speed out by Taysom Hill. And that's too easy. That's too easy. What are we doing? Denver, did y'all not watch tape on this man? The man is quick. 
Here we go. Next play. Back in the red zone. And what does he do? Just quarterback keeper. Bingo, bango. Barely touched. Broncos, y'all got burned twice on the same play. What are you What are you doing? Y'all are getting blown out now. 14-0. Because you're not watching tape on Taysom Hill. Here we go. Good throw right over the middle there. The ball velocity, I will say, is looking a little flumsy out there just a tad I mean like I mean we have to try you know break it down as much as we can and it does look a little flumsy out there it looks like it definitely could be a little bit more speed on that ball but hey you know he, he wasn't expecting to be the starter here this season got thrown in late in the year now he's got a full training camp under him at the quarterback position maybe he can put a little bit more zip on the ball but here we go. Back to the running game. Broncos, he's absolutely eating them up. That's a 15-yard run here. Here we go. We get another pass play. They're absolutely killing them. 24-3. Here we go. Taysom Hill. Oh, my God. What a great back shoulder throw, folks. Right here. It got there quick. This is a great ball. That's great. Maybe the, the, the velocity is not an option or not a question mark here. Maybe it is not flumsy. All right. Game two against the Falcons here. Running out to the right, Falcons never learn the first time. He stays on the sideline, and look at all that. That's 30-plus yards, folks. Absolutely speed, and that's so much speed on this man. Jeez, jeez. I'm telling y'all, y'all got to respect this man as a dual threat like that kind of elite five that we rattled off earlier. Bingo, bango, wide open. He puts it right on the money. Right here, this one's going to be wide open. Puts it right on the money, makes the right read. He feels comfortable in the pocket. He knows when he needs to run. He knows when he has to, or when he can throw it. He know when he he knows when he should run it. He knows when he should throw it. I think he makes all the right throws. And here we go, right tight on the sideline on third and seventeen. And he goes and puts it right on the money. Gets the ball there before the defender knocks down Michael Thomas out of bounds. A third and seventeen, and he goes and completes the ball. Fantastic. Here we go. Look at this one over the middle of the field, and look at all these defenders reach to try to bat this ball down, and it still gets above him and he puts it right on the money that it drops right after those linebackers and puts it right on the money to the receiver for the first down it's fantastic out here here we go back in the red zone against the Falcons and boom makes a tight throw but it's there for Jared Cook over the middle of the field bingo bango running into a double team coverage and he puts it exactly where it needs to be here we go another play oh bango bango trusting your receivers puts it right on Michael Thomas he goes and gets it tight coverage on him over the middle of the field wide open puts it on him perfect Perfectly. Here we go against the Eagles. Real solidly open right here. Kind of triangled. Michael Thomas is kind of triangled in defenders, and he puts it right on the money for a completion. I'm loving what we're seeing from this man, folks. I think he can make all the throws. Look at this one over the middle of the field. This one's to Emmanuel Sanders. Boom. Boom. 20 yards. Here we go. Taysom Hill speeding out to the right, gearing up to throw. Boom. Touchdown. This one's about 45 yards. And I do want to say the arm strength does seem to be a little weak. It does seem like you could have kind of led this man a little bit more in the end zone. But at the end of the day, this is a perfect throw still. So I do think we can maybe max out his arm at 50 yards. I uh, really want to see like a 55 55 yards, 60, but it's still real solid production out here from Taysom Hill. Once again, perfect throw right there. It is kind of decently wide open, but he puts it right on him. Here we go. Little underthrown here as well. Um, has to work on that a little bit. But it still gets to the receiver. You give him credit. Let's count the yards on this one. Nowhere near 50, but he throws it from the 40. Gets it all the way down to the 20. Solid work there. Solid work. That's is that yeah, it's about 40 yards right there. So solid work. Here we go in the red zone. Down 10. What can he do here? Can he be a little clutch? 
Boom, throws up like a 50-50 ball to the tight end, trusting your receivers, and he does that. Y'all know I'm big on trusting your receivers, so I'm just loving what we're seeing from Taysom Hill in the passing game. I truly think the man can get it done, uh, but let's compare it to what Jameis Winston was doing here. Only like 11 passes, obviously nothing big, no big sample size to go off of, but let's see what we can get. Every single play... Versus the 49ers week 10. Is that this season? Let me double check before we start watching it. All right. Game logs. Here we go. San Francisco week 10. All right. He had six passes this game. Or six completions, 10 attempts. So he only really played this game. So we have every single play from him this game. So let's see what he's looking like. Now, the one kind of one thing... I don't want to call it. It, it could be. A, it could turn into a red flag. This is the one pre-red flag that I have on Jameis Winston. Is is this man going to be a little timid throwing the ball because of his interception history? This man knows he cannot throw interceptions. So is he a little timid with the ball? Is he going always with the checkdown? Does he not want to let it rip because he knows as soon as that first interception is here? There's no kind of, you know, plugging the floodgates of the media, comparing it to that 30 for 30 season that he had that really just kind of, you know, ruined his career a little bit. It could have been celebrated 5,000 yards, 30 plus touchdowns, but the 30 interceptions just ruined the season overall. So let's see if we can see some hesitancy during these plays here, because at the end of the day, Taysom Hill played four games last year. Jameis Winston only played one. So, a little interesting there. Why does Sean Payton do that? But let's see what Ta uh, Jameis Winston is looking like here. Week 10 against the 49ers. Here we go. Just a simple check down right here. Swings it to the running back in the backfield. This seemed to be like a designed play. Um, all the receivers went out to go blocking. So, we're not going to penalize Jameis Winston. I mean, can you look at Alvin Kamara? He took this zero-yard gain and turned it into a 10-yard first down. I mean, can we give him credit for that? Uh, potentially flag for holding offensively. But, I mean, you take away the flag. This is a 15-yard 15, 15 gain when it should have been blown up in the backfield. Alvin Kamara is absolutely great. We know this. All right, Jameis Winston, pass number two out here. Once again, a nice little check down to a wide receiver in the flats. Anything open, nothing. It's a quick hitter um, in the block set up for the first down. All righty, Jameis Winston, play number two. Taysom Hill is lined up in the backfield. Interesting that uh, is he just out on the field? I don't see where Jameis Winston is, but they got this play up here. That's not him. All right, here we go. James Winston back in the backfield now. They're down. No, they're up 7 nothing. But here we go. Another check down right here. You Oh, you've got this one. Look at right here in the flat. This one's wide open. This receiver is wide open. James Winston is looking to the left for Alvin Kamara. Once again, Alvin Kamara is the best safety blanket. If I was kind of a hesitant quarterback, I'd be going to Alvin Kamara every single play. And he's been to Alvin Kamara twice. One on a set of play and one just on a check down when another receiver was pretty much wide open. And you probably could have gotten a lot more yards than that. All right, Taysom Hill back in the game, uh, so we can skip this. Come on, bring Jameis back out. All right, here we go. 
Uh, this is uh, Jameis back, play action pass, and then once again, check down to Alvin Kamara. And it picks up about 20 yards, which is great, but once again, it's another check down. Want to see you air it out a little bit. I, You know, it's great that you're going to your playmakers, Alvin Kamara. I get it, but at the end of the day, we still want to see you take some shots and get it down the field to your actual playmaking deep threat wide receivers because that's how you score the ball. That's how you score points. Here we go, another Jameis Winston play right here. Goes to Alvin Kamara again, folks. Again, is there anything open at the time of the throw? No. So he makes a solid read right here. But once again, going to the safety blanket, Alvin Kamara. Oh, no, this is Michael Thomas. I'm bugging then. This is a good play then. Going to your great wide receiver, trusting your wide receiver right there, Michael Thomas. Fantastic. All right, that is a good play. I apologize. All right, James Winston, another play right here. Hitting a nice little wheel route. This time to Alvin Kamara. And it got completed. That's a good ball right here. This is a good throw. Nice little wheel route. Nothing else seemed to be wide open. This man in the middle of the field was solid. A uh, solid option. Would have picked up the first down as well. But this wheel route's pretty solid as well. We'll give him credit. Good throw there. All right, Jameis Winston in the red zone. Let's see how he does. Play action pass, and he gets brought down by a sack. The 49ers brought pressure instantly, and by the time the pressure got there, really nothing was open. So we can't blame Jameis Winston for this one. But once again, Jameis Winston, not a dual threat in the red zone. The defense is kind of free to bring up pressure up the middle. Hand it off. We're going to stuff you at the line, and if you pass it, we're going to knock you down for a sack. So... Doesn't bring that dual threat ability. Here we go. Back in the red zone. Second and goal from the 10. And once again, gets brought down. Holds onto the ball a little bit too long here. Tries to step up in the pocket. Once again, nothing truly open. And he tries to do a little bit too much. And he goes down for a sack. Let's watch it one more time from this angle. You had kind of Alvin Kamara in the flats, but he never took it. Unfortunate. Here we go. Third and goal. It's a wide receiver screen. And it only goes for about three yards. Now, let's judge the pass here. Very, very low. Receiver has to kind of come back to it a little bit. It probably would not have been a first down anyway, even if you do throw it perfectly. All right, but they get bailed out by a penalty. So now Jameis Winston back to second and goal out here. Let's see. Can he finally get it done here in the red zone and kind of ice this game a little bit? Here we go. Jameis Winston tries to do a little bit of a pass here. And look at this one. This one was thrown with a lot of kind of, you know, precision and velocity behind it. Just judging his arm motions based on all the other arm motions that we got. And he kind of throws this one with a lot of confidence. And it's way incomplete. It's way over Michael Thomas's head. And it's way too much outside when he needed to be a little bit more inside on the finesse. So Michael Thomas, we know he's a great wide receiver and you're overthrowing him a little bit. Not great. Jameis Winston back to third and goal. Come on, Jameis. Throw a touchdown here, baby. Let's get it going. Got to capitalize in the red zone here. Can't dink your, I mean, you can't dink and dunk in the red zone. And here we go. A bad little fade right here. Miscommunication. He throws it way too high, way too outside where Michael Thomas was. So what is that communication on? Jameis Winston not putting the ball on the money. Not great. We can watch this one one more time here. Great angle. We'll get a great look at this ball. Yeah, just way too much outside and in, outside and high. So miscommunication there, and they have to settle for a field goal there. Unfortunate. Jameis Winston not getting it done in the red zone. Hate to see it. All right, Jameis Winston back at it. Play action pass and almost picked. He tried to fit this one in and look at this bad read. This is triple covered in the middle of the field and Jameis Winston, lucky he didn't throw a pick here. 
not great. I truly think Taysom Hill is just the better passer, the better decision maker. He can hit all the throws. I'm a little nervous every time Jameis Winston is back there in the, in the backfield. Do you bring pressure? He gets a little crazy right here. Here we go. This one, he's escaping the pocket, and this is still a pretty solid ball. Ends up falling harmlessly incomplete, and uh, you know, no chance at an interception. Decent chance at maybe a spectacular catch. It's still real hard, real you know, real better chance at an incomplete here. But still, Jameis Winston on the run. Let's see this play pass one more time. Oh yeah, that's nowhere near it. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind on that. Nowhere near the wide receiver. Nowhere near anybody on that play uh, on that pass. Way low. No, non-catchable. Zero percent catch percentage for anybody, <laughs> offense or defense. So. I'm not buying into Jameis Winston, folks. I cannot buy into Jameis Winston as a starter here. And I think with a full camp under his belt, I think Taysom Hill truly wins the starting job here. So as we progress here, uh, we are going to have to kind of cut it short today. We'll revisit the Saints tomorrow. This will be the part one. We'll have a part two tomorrow, finishing everything else up. The receivers, the draft, what do they lose the offseason? Uh, we have to talk about Michael Thomas being out for the first seven games, so that's going to affect them in their schedule of the first six games. He's back week seven after the bye, whatever that is. Um, so we will be back tomorrow for part two to wrap it all up, but a good kind of structure. We are going to kind of be going with Taysom Hill as the starting quarterback for our, the rest of our kind of reset in doing their schedule with Taysom Hill being the main guy. Can't get behind J Jameis Winston, and I'm not knocking Jameis Winston. I don't want to knock him because that season of 5,000 yards, I want to get the correct season. I want to say 2018, 2019, 5,000 yards, 60% completion percentage. I love all that. But I don't think I can get behind Jameis Winston, and it uh, doesn't – and while I, we also have to see how we we also don't really see anything that he's learned from Drew Brees. We haven't had him have like a breakdown speech. I want to see how his kind of pregame speech is learning from Drew Brees, his passing game look learning from Drew Brees. I mean, this was ten weeks into the year learning under Drew Brees. Um, you know, picking Drew Brees' brain, and it still wasn't that good, wasn't that great. Now, we will give Jameis Winston a little bit of the benefit of the doubt that, you know, you were thrown in here, you only had one week, it was all this, so, you know, Taysom Hill had four games, and he threw zero touchdown passes his first game and his second game, got it going, second or third and fourth game, throwing two touchdowns each game there, so that's great. So we will give Jameis Winston a little bit of a free pass right there, a little bit of silver lining, but at the end of the day, I still think I'm going with Taysom Hill over Jameis Winston. The dual threat ability, making those deep throws, keeping the defense off guard because you have to respect the run as well as you respect the pass. And with the defense here, you pressure Jameis Winston, he's going to make some critical mistakes. We just saw him almost throw a pick right there. We saw him struggling in the red zone. The man can't get it done, you know, as the field shrinks. So... Maybe he learned better from Drew Brees as the season progressed after week 10. Maybe he got it done. Maybe he's looking real good in training camp early on. But I'm going with Taysom Hill over Jameis Winston. Did they end up winning this game as well? Let's double check that. Did they win this week 10 game against the 49ers? They did. Congratulations. Uh, Jameis Winston gets a win in his start. You love to see it. Or he didn't even start this game. He just played 10 snaps. So Didn't throw a touchdown though. Unfortunate. Alrighty, so that's going to do it for us today. We will be back finishing up the Saints and probably getting started on another team. Uh, but thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Uh, let's see if anything was breaking. Let's see if we can get anything on a Zach Wilson deal being done. 
We need that. We need to see that. That needs to be done today so he's there tomorrow 100%. Not seeing anything. Not good. Not good. Not good, folks. Not good at all. Alrighty, let's uh let's search it real quick. I'm not seeing it on the timeline. Let's see if there's any Zach Wilson news. Still unsigned about six minutes ago. So, not good, folks. Still not signed as of right now. So, he better be signed tomorrow or Robert Sala. We're going to be dropping every day that Zach Wilson's not there. We're dropping the Jets. And the Jets are already kind of, you know, bottom 20-ish of the teams. Y'all, I will drop you down to number 32. I will take Dan Campbell over this Jets team. So, Robert Sala, get your act together and get that man signed and ready to rock. We need that man here tomorrow. Alrighty, folks, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We're back tomorrow, live noon Eastern, finishing up the Saints and uh, getting started on a new team for our refresher. So thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you tomorrow.